are so thankful that you're here this morning. As Nolan has already pointed out, he kind of stole my thunder a little. Today is an exciting day. It is kickoff Sunday, all right? And um, yes, today we're kicking off. You thought I was going to talk about football. No, we're kicking off a new sermon series. How many people are excited for a new sermon series? Okay. And actually what we're going to do is we're going to do something we've never done here at Journey Church in the time that I've been the pastor here. And we're going to take the time to study one of the Gospels, one of the Gospels in its entirety. So what we're going to do is we're going to begin to study the Gospel of Mark together. And I think this is super important because my heart is this. I know a lot of people are super busy and um, sometimes we push the Word of God out of our life during the week. And um, I want to make sure that we know what the Bible says. That's really a big conviction in my heart is that we as God's people know what the Scripture says. So we're going to do this. We're going to look at the Gospel of Mark. And in this journey, what you may want to do is you may want to read ahead. You may want to read ahead. And I just want to let you know you could read and reread and reread chapter 1 for like the next three weeks, okay? But here's the deal. I would love for you to come knowing that the faith has already been stirred up. There's questions that may have already come to your mind. So we're going to read Mark chapter 1. Okay, so this morning what I'm going to do is I'm going to do something very, I think, un, um, unique. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the writer of the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. And the reason why I want to do this is because it's been laid on my heart throughout this week that there's a lesson that we can all learn. There's a valuable message that we can all learn from the person who wrote the book of Mark. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go on a scripture. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. I'm going to be as quick as I can possibly be. And at the end, what we're going to do is we're going to throw out the application. But to get to the application, we got to do some footwork this morning. So um, I know that um, you can have your Bible open if you want to open up to the book of Acts. Or all the scriptures will be on the screen so that we can read them together. But there's a lot of content today we got to set up the background of this guy's life because at the end, we're going to apply it to our life. Does that sound good to everyone? Look at your name and say, man, that sounds like a good plan. Okay. So here we go. Let's dive into this journey this morning. The writer of the gospel, Mark, it may surprise you, is a guy that actually his full name we see in scripture a lot. He goes by his full name, which is John Mark. So you, if you read, as you read through the book of Acts, the book of Mark, a lot of times you're not going to just see Mark, you're going to see his full name, which is John Mark, okay? And I just want to give you a little brief um, kind of picture of where John Mark came from, his upbringing. And I want to let you know, as a boy, Mark was raised in a home of a very, very devout Christian mother. I mean, his mother was spot on in her relationship with Christ. And her name is Mary, okay? Mary. And you're going to see that all the way throughout the book of Acts and Mark. And interestingly enough, John, Mark, John Mark's father isn't mentioned in the scripture. And the historian's not sure what happened. Maybe she became a widow. Or maybe the fact is that husband and father just got up and went. We're not really told a lot of the details. But whatever the story may be about what happened with dad, when we read about John Mark and his mother, we read that the scriptures refer to his home as the home of Mary, 
the home of Mary. So there's no direction towards dad. All the direction is towards the mother. All the emphasis is placed on the mother. So for example, the Bechtels would be the home of Heather. How many people know that's probably right on? (laughs) Oh, you guys are laughing. You know it's true of you too. It's true of you too. So And what we see is we see the first example of that in Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, which is an amazing story of this guy who is a disciple who's named Peter. Peter gets thrown into jail, and he's in this inner prison cell, and he's sleeping one night, and an angel comes, and he taps, the angel taps him on the shoulder and said, come on, Peter, let's get going. This is the rescue plan. Okay, the rescue plan. And actually the angel escorts him right out into the city square. It's an amazing story. You can read about right there in Acts chapter 12, the story of Peter's escape. And um, here's what's happening in Peter's mind. He's not even sure what's really happening. For Peter, he's thinking, is this a dream? And he really thinks it's a dream until he gets outside the city and he finally wakes up. And pick it up in verse 11, it says, Peter says, is this, it's really true. It's really true. I was delivered by an angel, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. They planned to kill him, okay? Then you go on to the next verse. When he realized this, so Peter comes out of this trance. It's late, early morning hours. He's just out there in the city streets. What does he do? He went to the home. Everybody say this together. He went to the home of? That's where he goes, He escapes, he goes to the home of Mary, and here we're introduced to our guy, the mother of John Mark. So this is the guy that we're going to read about who wrote the first of the four Gospels. I understand that in our Bible it says Matthew, Mark, but historians say that the first of the four Gospels that was actually written is this book of Mark. And he actually does such a great job that Matthew and Luke use a lot of his resources in the writing of their gospel story, okay? So they go to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. Many are gathered for prayer at that time of the morning. One commentary says that Mary's home in the early church was the rallying point. It was the rallying point. It was this point where people would come for frequent prayer meetings, for frequent prayer meetings. So so with this in mind, this is what I want to say. Mark would have been exposed to some pretty powerful people, some great teachers, some great teachings of the early church. Mark had the opportunity to be brought up in that type of home. So we need to understand he's a mama's boy, but he's surrounded by some powerful men and women. Now I want to drop down to verse 24, if we can. Verse 24 because things are beginning to heat up and people are getting saved in big numbers. This is exciting time in the early church. And it says, meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread and there were many new believers. An exciting, exciting time. By the way, how many people know we live in an exciting time? Around the world, there's more people coming to Christ faster than the the birth rate. We live in a very exciting time. Maybe we don't see it where we live as much as they see it like in the the southern hemisphere. People are coming to Christ in groves. Folks, we live in a very exciting time. We got to get on board. Are you hearing me this morning? We need to get on board. So many new believers, 
And um, it says this, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, who are these guys, first of all? Who are Barnabas and Saul? They're the big guys. They're the big wigs. They're the big missionaries. They're the big leaders in the church. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission in Jerusalem, they went back to Antioch, okay? And check out what happens. They took a guy with them, and his name is, everybody together, his name is John Mark. So I think this is what happened Barnabas and Saul, who are the primary leaders, missionaries, they're kind of talking, we're going to need more help, this is a big assignment, and they're talking, and they said, hey, how about that son of Mary? He would be a good guy for us to take on the journey with us. So what do they do? They call John Mark, and they say, hey, John, why don't you go with us on this journey? Okay, with us on this journey. So where are we at here? Let's move on. So this is what happens next. I actually lost my, my, my train of thought here. I apologize. Paul and his companions, what they do is they leave for Paphos by ship for Pamathalia. Aren't you glad you don't have to say all these names this morning? <laughs> Leading at the port town of Perga. And check out what happens here. Check out what happens. There... John Mark left, and he returned to Jerusalem. So they're on this big assignment. Paul and Barnabas are leading. They've invited John Mark to come with them. And right in the middle of the assignment, John Mark aborts the mission. Okay? And the reason for his departure is not known for us or told for us in the Scripture. There's a lot of assuming. But a lot of the church historians think these these three thoughts. He either got physically sick and he had to go back home, physically sick, or number two, he got homesick. He's a mama's boy. He couldn't handle it anymore. He had to get back to home. Or perhaps he was unable to withstand the rigors and the dangers of the journey. Because at this time in history, it's very hostile. Christians are being persecuted for their faith. And maybe John Mark witnesses, witnesses this with his eyes, and he's like, I am out of here. And he leaves, and he goes back home, okay? And so he goes back home, and the journey ends, and what happens is Paul and Barnabas also return to Jerusalem. Now I want to jump to Acts chapter 15, if you have your Bible open. We're going to look here. And Paul has this great idea. And Paul says this, he, he says this, let's read the text. It says, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas. So Paul and Barnabas are talking. He says, let's go back and let's visit each city where the previous, we previously preached the word of the Lord. And let's go see how things are going with the believers. Let's go back and make sure they're staying in Christian community. Let's make sure they're staying in the word of God. Let's make sure they're growing in their faith. We don't want to just leave them as infants, as babies. Let's go back and let's see how things are going. That's what Paul says to Barnabas. And here's Barnabas' response, verse 37. Barnabas agreed. And check out what Barnabas says. He says, and he wanted to take along John Mark. How many people would think that would be a good idea? Yeah, let's take John Mark with us. But I want to let you know, Paul wasn't so hip or excited about this idea. Verse 38 Paul disagreed strongly. Paul's like, no. 
since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had continued with them in their work. Okay? It goes on to say in verse 39 that their disagreement was so sharp. I mean, it wasn't a little disagreement. It was a big disagreement whether to take Mark or not. And their disagreement between Barnabas and Paul was so sharp. What did they do? They separated. So we see this team of mighty men. Now they're going to separate. And what did Barnabas do? He took along with him John Mark. And what did Paul do? He took with him another guy named Silas. So what we do is we see this power team now, they begin to go their own way. So what is it about Barnabas that had such a soft spot in his heart about John Mark? Well, if you read Scripture, you're going to find out that John Mark and Barnabas were cousins. How many people know blood is pretty thick? Blood seems to be more willing to forgive than other people. So Barnabas is saying, hey, cousin, let's go together and let's go on this journey, okay? So it was a really cool thing. But Paul, all through this whole thing, Paul was like, nope, no, no John Mark in my life. I don't want anything to do with him. He's not going to be on my missions team any longer. He gave an assignment, he made a commitment, and he dropped the ball and he left. I don't know what it is about Paul, but he's so dogmatic here. I thought about it this way. Could it be because he was a single guy? <laughs> That's a good time to take a drink of water. Could it be he was a single guy? How many people know that sometimes single guys don't always understand younger people? Maybe he, could, he didn't have a soft spot in his heart for Mark. This is the way it should be. You messed up. Forget you. I'm moving on. You guys go your way. We'll go our way. But here's what happens. The story doesn't end there. And we're so thankful that the story doesn't end in this place of bitter brokenness. Okay? Something happens in Paul's heart. And his heart begins to change. Who knows? Maybe it was the Holy Spirit speaking to this man of God saying, hey, come on. you got to give this guy a second chance. But let's read what it says. And we read of this in Colossians chapter 4, this soft spot that Paul begins to have for Mark. We see in the book of Colossians chapter 4, and we pick it up in verse 10. And how do you like that name? Articus. We'll just put it that way. This is what Paul says in his letter. He says, who is in prison with me? He sends his greeting and so does and so does, so does who? Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. So there's a softening for Mark. Strongly opposed Mark, now he's beginning to soften his heart. Let's look to verse 11. It says, Jesus, the one who we call justice, also sends his greetings these, and that's plural, and he's including Mark, these are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers, and they are working with me here for the kingdom of God. We're working together. We're in partnership together. And what a comfort they have been. So something obviously began to happen in Mark's heart, or in Paul's heart for Mark. 
And he begins to have a softening heart, and he says, hey, this guy's valuable. One last scripture stop. 2 Timothy chapter 4, the context is Paul's in prison. He's literally just about ready to die. He's going to be beheaded. And he's sharing these final words with a guy named Timothy, a younger man in the ministry. He says, hey, Timothy, can you please come? I mean, he's kind of calling out for companionship. I'm in prison. Please come and as soon as you can. And he says in verse 10, there's this guy named Demas. He has deserted me. Why? Because he loves the things of this life. Wow. And has gone to Thessalonica. Then there's also this guy named Crescens, has gone to Galatia. Then Titus has gone to the Malta. Let's just do that one, okay? Listen, verse 11, this is where we want to go. Only Luke is with me. Bring, everybody together, bring who? Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will surely be helpful to me in my ministry. Wow. In the words of Paul, listen, he says, Mark will be helpful to me. So what I see in this text as we journey from the beginning to what we're, where we're at now is there's this 180 degree turn in Paul's attitude, his looks on how he viewed Mark. So what I want to do is today is I want to conclude with just some application. And I want to ask everyone this question so if we can just settle in just for like five more minutes, just settle in, clear your thoughts of how the Steelers are going to win out the year. I want you to just think of this question for you. Have you ever blown it? Have you ever blown it? Have you ever said or did something that you regret? How many people wish you had more than two hands? Something that you regret. I know I have. Probably even this week. Have you ever let someone down? Have you ever dropped the ball? Have you ever gone back on your word? You said you were going to do something and maybe opposition came and you went back on your word. Have you ever gone back on your word? Let me ask you, have you ever ever left somebody hanging? Last question, have you ever made a poor decision that you wish you could say, mulligan, meaning, I wish I could have a do-over? Can you put yourself in any of those scenarios where you blew it, you dropped the ball, you wish you could do it over again? I was thinking about this all week in the preparation of this message, and I thought back to when I was a college student and how I did, I made a really poor decision, and it was a poor decision that not only impacted me, but it impacted about 15 other people. And I want to let you know, there's still times today, I don't live in guilt, but there's still times today, I think, man, I wish I could go back and be 22-year-old Mike again. I wish I could have a mall again. I wish I could do it all over. I would have surely done things differently. Have you ever been there? If so, this is my whole message. The big egg in my, the big rock in my message is this. Don't allow the past to keep you from what God has for you today. 
And I have a feeling in a room this size, there's probably about five or six, 10, 15 people that you need to hear that this message, don't allow something in the past to keep you from what God wants to do in your life today. Today. Or in the days ahead or ahead. Or may I say it this way, don't allow the past to define your future. Amen? Don't allow what happened in the past to define what God wants to do in you today and in the days ahead. Because there's a lot of people that we get stuck because we made a mistake. We did something wrong. And we get trapped in that past. And we can't live out the fullness of what God has for us today. Are you hearing me? I think we need to take the example of Mark. Mark had a setback. I think if you were to interview Mark years later, he would have said, oh, I wish I would have never left Paul and Barnabas on that missionary journey. I wish I would have stuck it out. But you know what the cool thing is? God wasn't done with him. If you know your Bible, and that's what we're going to be studying in the weeks ahead, God would use this same guy to do what? To be the guy that would pen and write the very first gospel in the, bar, in the Bible, the book of Mark. Aren't you glad he didn't give up? Aren't you glad he didn't quit? And I tell you what, I believe there's people in this room, you're stuck in the past, you're like in quicksand. And it's keeping you from what you could be doing for God today, and not only today, in the days ahead. You're allowing your past to define your today and your future. And I'm here today to encourage you through this text that you don't have to get stuck there. There's still good days ahead. Amen? Amen. One last point of, um, one last point of application. Another question. Have you ever had someone quit on you? Have you ever had somebody quit on you, hurt you, disappoint you, break a commitment with you? They did something that left you with hurt in your heart, a scar in your heart. Have you ever had somebody disappoint you? If so, and I say this very carefully, and I, say there, I, say, I want you to hear this in context. I want to encourage you, if possible, to give that person another try. To give that person another opportunity. I think we need to give people the greatest gift that we love to receive, and that's the, this gift of grace, and this gift of mercy, and this gift of forgiveness. A few months ago, I was talking to a guy, and he was a third party, and he said, yeah, did you, do you know that this guy said, that, he was talking about another person, he said, do you know that this guy said this about you? And when he said that, I got hurt. But you know, right there, I had to make a decision. Was I going to allow that to divide a very meaningful relationship in my life? No. I knew the great value because I know that guy's a good friend. And we're friends. And there's value there. And there's just times where we need to look and say, you know what, I'm going to give that person another try because I've been on the other side of that. I've been there when I've slandered somebody and I later get home and I think, what in the, God, what did I do? So what I'm saying from this story, maybe we need to learn also this lesson that if somebody's hurt you, 
can you give them, can you find it in you to give them another chance? Talk to them, sit them down, talk to them, share with them, be honest, and say, hey, can we go after this again? Folks, our relationships are gold, aren't they? We need people in our lives. So let me just close with two questions as we wrap this up this morning. And I hope this slide works because I haven't written down the questions in my notes. (laughs) But I do know what the questions are. Number one, I think the question went like this. Number one, is there something in your past that you need to let go of so that you can move on? Is there something in your past that maybe you did wrong, you blew it, you need to let go of it? We've all blown it so that you can move on for what God has for you. I pray that this would be the day or this would be the week that you would go home and really do some soul searching and say, Lord, is there something in my life that's keeping me trapped? It's keeping me from moving forward. I personally believe if you're still breathing, which I think everyone in this room is breathing, we all have a pulse. I believe that God still has a purpose, a plan for you to impact other people. But it's going to be hard if you're so stuck in the past because you know what? I did blow it. I really gave up. I messed up. We all have it. We need to move on. Second question in closing is this. Is there a person in your life, is there a person that you need to give a second chance? Is there a person right now you're probably thinking, I would think there's probably some people right now you can see somebody's face in your mind. And you're replaying the story, the scenarios, the history of that discussion. Is there a person that you need to give a second chance? Can we do this together? Can we bow our heads together in prayer? Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for real people in the Bible that had real messes. Even our superheroes of the faith were people that had issues. And Lord, I thank you that we can learn from their issues. And Lord, we learned today that we can move on when we've messed up. And Lord, you can use us again. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we also learn when we've been hurt, when we've been disappointed. We need to dig in and we need to spend time with you and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? How would you want me to handle this? Lord, forgive, help me to exercise forgiveness and grace. And help me to see a big part of your kingdom as a kingdom where we have right relationships with other people. So Lord, I pray that these, um, these messages, these words would not leave us when we leave this room, but I pray, Holy Spirit, that when we leave this room throughout the remainder of this new week that you're given us, it's a fresh slate. I pray, Lord, today that we would stop and we would really think about these two points of application. And Lord, I just pray that we would handle these issues with Christ-like maturity. Lord, we're not people of the world. We don't handle things like the world handles things. We handle things with a kingdom perspective. And Lord, I pray that we'll take the high road. And Lord, that we'll move on from hurts. 
and believe that the best days, there's good days still ahead for all of us. And Lord, that we'll be people who also learn to exercise forgiveness. And we'll begin to allow people's space to come back into our lives. And I really believe that our relationships could be even better with some of those people. I just need you to look at me one last time. I believe God's laying something on my heart to share. When I share that last point of um, giving people a second chance, I realize in some of your scenarios, your situations, there are people that can be very toxic and hurtful. And I want to challenge you to navigate through those situations very carefully. Are you hearing me? I'm not saying that every situation is going to be as easy as you inviting them in and act like nothing's ever happened. In some of those hurtful situations, you might need to really exercise some great wisdom. But I want to encourage you, pray that your heart will be softened regardless towards that person. You receive that today? So Lord, we just commit ourselves to you and we just thank you. By the way, how many people are thankful that when we sinned against God, He didn't give up on us? Isn't that cool? When we sinned against the Father, He didn't give up on us. You know what He did? He went the full extent. He took the initiative. And that's why He sent His Son from heaven to earth to go and live a life and die on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Why? Because God wants there to be peace between us and Him. That what we must do is we must ask for that forgiveness. We must repent of our sins that broke that relationship and place our faith in Christ. And that's the only way we can be restored into fellowship with God is through His Son, Jesus. So Lord, we receive Your gift today. We're thankful for Jesus coming to earth to die for our sins so that we can have peace with you, Father, and we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name. And everyone together said...